Welcome to Gruesome, your horrific true crime podcast. I'm Connie, along with the future T-Ball Coach Hall of Famer, Meg. <laughs> this is episode 28, Mary Ann Cotton. I am not a fan of being a T-Ball Coach. <laughs> what she said that. But I am a T-Ball Coach. Hope your kid's not on my team. Uh, I'm going to tell you a nursery rhyme. Are you ready? Yes. Marianne Cotton. She's dead and she's rotten. Lying in bed with her eyes wide open. Sing, sing. Oh, what should I sing? Marianne Cotton. She's tied up with string. Where, where? Up in the air. Selling black puddings. A penny a pair. It's like one of, real dark. Yeah, it's one of those morbid, just, you know, the... The nursery rhymes that you think are about one thing, but are actually about another. I had oh, like never... Rockabye Baby. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or Ring Around the Rosie. It's about the plague. And I had never heard this one. I think it's in England and specifically Victorian era England. You know, my fave. My fave. Yes. <laughs> and I think when we go Victorian era England, serial killers, Jack the Ripper, right? Absolutely. That's what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. But before the infamous Ripper, there was another serial killer, and technically it was their first prolific serial killer, and she was a woman. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Girl power. (laughs) In the worst way. Yeah. Everything that people hate about it. By people, I mean men. Uh, Marianne Robson. She was born on Halloween in 1832. Oh, I know, doesn't what? it make it so much spookier? She's born on Halloween 1832 in a small village in, in Durham County in Northeast England. Her mother was Margaret. Her father was Michael. She had a sister that was born two years after her, but died only at a few months old. And her brother was born in 1835. Mary was described by her school teacher as a most exemplary and regular attender, a girl of innocent disposition and average intelligence, and distinguished for her particularly clean and tidy appearance. So, like, she was kind of clean, but she was just average. average. Yeah. I love when teachers describe students as of average intelligence. <laughs> It's like, it's like they the I, sickest teacher burn I've ever heard. They're just okay. World's okay, a student. They are very motivated. No, they're not. <laughs> okay. Her family, Mary's family, moved around frequently because her father worked in coal mines. And when miners were contracted, they would only work for about a year. And their contract would end, and then they would have to go find another job. So in February of 1842, when Mary was nine, her father died in a mine. He fell 150 feet down a vertical mine shaft while he was repairing a pulley. And the coal company, it's way worse. The coal company sent her father's body to their front door. And it was in a big cloth bag stamped property of the South Hetton Coal Company. Isn't that the worst? What? Did they even know? Or was it like, did they know he had died prior? Or did they just, that was their, 
Like that was like knock, standard. Knock. If someone dies in the mine, they put them in a bag and send them to your front door. And that's how you find out your person died. Yeah. And they sent it. <laughs> they sent it to the miner's cottage where the family stayed. Um, which, if you were a miner, you got this housing provided to workers. And Mary and her mother and her brother would have been evicted, but Mary's mom just married another coal miner. Right, quick. had a girl. <laughs> His name was George, and they had a place to live. Do what you got to do in the 1800s. I, I support that. <laughs> when Mary was 16, she left home to become a nursemaid, which was just performing domestic duties, washing, cleaning, taking care of children. And she was taking care of the children of the manager of that same coal mine where her stepfather worked. But when the man's children were all sent to boarding school, Mary returned home to train as a dressmaker. In 1852, at age 18, when the ladies are told you have to get married and get that GTFO out of your parents' house, mm-hmm. essentially, she married William Mowbray, also a coal miner. I'm sensing a theme here. Yeah. They moved to Southwest England, where they began having children. Records weren't particularly well kept, but in total, she and William had five children, but only one of them survived. Oh, my God. They had all died from gastric fever, vomiting, diarrhea, dehydration. It seems normal, kind of, for that time. Lots of babies and small children died. Medical care wasn't great. There was TB and smallpox and cholera, Mm -hmm. all kinds of yuck. William and Mary moved back to Northeast England, where William worked as a fireman on a steamship that sailed out of Sunderland. Then he worked as a foreman in the mines. Mary had another daughter, Isabella, in 1858, but her first living daughter, the one of the five, died in 1860. Another daughter, also named Margaret Jane, was born in 1861, and then her son, John, in 1863. So she named her kids the same? Yes, which isn't weird for that time. Um, My in-law told me that her mom was actually named after her dead sister. Isn't that the worst, though? I would, I mean, oof, that sounds so scary to me. Like, named after your, the you that came before you. Yeah, but I think there's a difference in being, like, named after, because... My daughter's middle name is named after my grandma who died. Well, but like you're doing a copy on your sister, but you're doing like a copy and paste the, <laughs> the name. It's like, all right, this will do. We like this one just fine. We'll just keep it twice. So Margaret Jane the second was born in 1861. John was born in 1863. John died a year later from gastric what? fever. At hmm. some point. Her husband had taken out a life insurance policy out uh, on his family, which makes sense because all of his kids are They dying. were all dying. Yeah. <laughs> Something suspicious. <laughs> Seems weird, right? Mm-hmm. He had taken out a life insurance policy on his family, but gastric fever also claimed William's life in 1864. So gastric fever to William and seven of their children. Between 1852 and 1864. Seven. Mm, It's a lot, right? And there's only one living 
Well, there's two right now. The interesting <laughs> thing about gastric fever is that they are the same symptoms. You have the same symptoms you might experience if you have been poisoned with arsenic. Oh, that's suspicious. <laughs> and in the 1800s, families were often poor and malnourished. And it was kind of like the go-to cause of death that doctors used when they saw diarrhea, dehydration, vomiting, stomach pain, gastric I'm fever. I'm literally looking up what causes gastric fever. It's literally the stomach flu. Yeah. Yep. Ingesting contaminated food or water or arsenic. <laughs> or arsenic. <laughs> um, so again, Mary's entire family, with the exception of one daughter, died of what doctors assumed was gastric fever. But in reality, Mary had been poisoning them. Holy shit. Arsenic, the wonder poison of the century in the 1800s, mm -hmm. was tasteless, didn't smell, and could easily be dissolved into tea or broth. And it wasn't easily traced at that time. They had come up with a method for tracing it um, in 1832, but it wasn't widespread yet. And it wasn't always accurate. And they're and not going to think the mom is doing it. Mary played the part of mourning wife and mother so well, no one suspected a thing. They were like, okay, but we are never eating at her house. And we are also never showering or drinking water. <laughs> Because there's something up going there. Something's happening up in there. Mary was awarded insurance money for her husband and the two children that had died. It was 35 pounds, which is roughly 50 US dollars. But that was six months salary at that time. And in 2021 money, it's like $4,000. She then sent her only living daughter, Isabella, to stay with her mom, Margaret. And she moved so that she could begin a career in nursing at the Sunderland Infirmary. The Sunderland Infirmary. That's real. Like, I know. You're like, yeah, you're uh, going to go stay with my mom. Uh, that infirmary was the house of recovery for the cure of contagious fever, dispensary, and humane society. That was the whole name. It was very long. That's a very uh, long, and I feel like it's a lot of it. It's a lot. It's, it's like not, a, that roll the Derek Zoolander school for kids who can't read good. <laughs> like and you want to learn to do other stuff good, too. Like, That's you can't. <laughs> that is not. Whoever is in charge of their marketing should have been fired. That's why marketing exists now. That exact school. Or she hospital. also moved so that she could live closer to her secret lover, Joseph. Oh. <gasps> <gasps> I know. The story has it all. <laughs> it really does. Uh, while Mary was working at the infirmary, she met an engineer and a patient named George Ward. Mary and George were married on August 28, 1865. Ward continued to suffer from his poor health because he was a patient. And he died October 20th, 1866 after a long illness that displayed symptoms like paralysis and intestinal issues. His cause of death was recorded on his death certificate as complications from English cholera and typhoid fever. I but thought you were going to say gastric, gastric fever. fever. And I was like, what? 
The attending doctor did say that George had been very sick, but he was surprised that he had died so suddenly. Again, Mary Ann was awarded insurance money after George's death. Are you telling me right now? I just need to know. Is this the original Black Widow? I don't know because you got to think about that time period. There was, I didn't Bailey Sarian do the? I mean, a lot of people have done it, but the Aquatafana lady. Yeah, like a lot of women used arsenic to get rid of men, but not with as much malice as Mary Cotton does in the rest of this case. Because we're gonna we are like ten minutes in, and we are like what nine? The body count is nine, seven, and two husbands. Yeah, nine. Yep. So now she's twice widowed, with a three and a half year old daughter and a secret lover. Mary became the ideal candidate for a housekeeper and nursemaid to the recently widowed James Robinson and his five children. She moved into the house, but sadly, one month after moving in, James's infant son suddenly died of gastric fever. Shut. Can I? I want to use my F word so bad, but like, I know it's just starting. Save it. Yeah, you're going to need it. James was heartbroken. And in his grief, he turned to Mary for comfort. Oh, I'm sure he did. (laughs) She became pregnant. Early the next year, 1867, there are a lot of years because it's year after year after year in this story. Holy. Mary's mother, with whom Isabella was living with, became ill from complications due to hepatitis, and Mary rushed to her side. Her mother began to recover but started to complain of stomach pain. She passed nine days after Mary had come to nurse her back to health. What the world's worst nurse. (laughs) For real. Mary took Isabella and went back to James Robinson's. But in April of that same year, Isabella and two more of the Robinson children fell ill and died from severe stomach issues. All three of the children were buried in the first week of May, 1867. Like. (laughs) And Mary received a life insurance payout for her daughter. I am so sad. It's, it is really sad. And you're just like, how does, how has no one, not one person seen. CPS was not in the 1800s. Yeah, that's true. And she's also moving all around the country, like Mm -hmm. north and south and east, all over the place. James still married Mary in August of that year. Dumbass. When does he die? (laughs) Oh, it's coming. Three months before their first child was born in November. The baby was dead by February. Their second child was born June 18th, 1869. But Mary was starting to get a little too wild and a little too comfortable. She was racking up debts to the tune of like $10,000 in today mon- today's money. And he found that she had stolen thousands that she was supposed to put into the bank. Mary also began forcing James's older children to pawn off valuables in the house and give the money to her. In addition to this, she was insistent that her husband ensure his life. Claiming the debt she had accrued and her persistent nagging about life insurance, James kicked her out on the street and 
he kept their son, George. Oh, thank God. So James actually squeaked by. He, he made it. Mary always gets her man, though, because in 1870, she was staying with her friend Margaret, who introduced Mary to a widower, her brother, Frederick, and his two children. Frederick had lost two of his four children and his wife. So Mary easily won him over by sympathizing her own losses in her life. They shared their grief when in March, Frederick's sister suddenly died of a stomach ailment. This was when Mary found out that she was pregnant for the 12th time. They just fall out after that. (laughs) She stepped in as a mother figure to his two remaining children, taking the place that Fred's sister had been fulfilling for the boys. By September, even though she and James had not yet divorced, she married Fred Cotton, and their son was born early the next year. Soon after their son was born, she heard from Joseph, her long-term secret lover. He was living only 30 miles away, and he had also recently divorced. She convinced her new husband and their family to move to the same town that he lived, and she rekindled her secret romance with him. The audacity! (laughs) Like the ovaries on this lady, come on. Frederick Cotton was dead by December. Oh, Jesus Christ. Like, I shouldn't laugh because... (laughs) I know, it's just... But it's like... You're laughing with disbelief. Yeah, like it's... Um, the cause? Gastric, gastric fever. <laughs> <laughs> Mary was the sole benefactor in their life oh. insurance policies. And Joseph immediately moved in with Mary and the remaining cotton sons. Oh. Those she, poor kids. <laughs> all of them. Every poor kid that she yeah, had every to be around. Seven of them. <laughs> she began working as a nurse to an excise officer, which is a tax collector. And he was recovering from smallpox. His name was, it's listed as John, but it's also listed as Richard in some cases. But it was John or Richard Quick Manning. And soon she became pregnant with John's child. Her 13th while working in his home. The trouble was she was living with her lover Joseph, and was still burdened with her son and stepson from her marriage to Cotton. By March 1872, one of her stepsons had died, and her infant son with Frederick was dead soon after, leaving one remaining Cotton son. Joseph had adjusted his will to include Mary once again as the sole benefactor, but Joseph, the secret lover, He didn't have that much, but he did soon become sick with gastric fever and he died that April. Mary's real downfall came when she was asked by a man named Thomas Riley to help nurse a woman who was ill with smallpox. She said that she'd like to, but she still had a son at home, the last surviving cotton boy. His name was Charles Edward. He was kind of in the way, and she asked Riley if he could be committed to a workhouse. Riley was also the assistant coroner, and he told her that she would have to accompany him 
because he was only seven years old. She told Riley that the boy was sick. He was sickly. And she said, I won't be troubled long. He'll go like the rest of the Cottons. Five days later, Marianne told Thomas Riley that the remaining Cotton boy had died. Riley went to the village police and convinced the doctor to delay writing a death certificate until the circumstances could be investigated. Conveniently, Marianne's first visit after the boy died was not to the doctor. She went straight to the insurance office, where she learned that no money would be paid to her until she had a death certificate. An inquiry was made to learn how this little boy had died, and a jury returned the verdict of natural causes. And this is because it was very fast and hasty, and it was done on someone's kitchen table. Ah, what the heck? I know. She claimed that she had used arrowroot to relieve his illness and said Thomas Riley made these accusations against her because she had rejected his advances. But after a second examination that was insisted upon, the presence of arsenic in his stomach was revealed. Authorities exhumed the bodies of Joseph Natras her lover, and the two other cotton children, and they were all determined to have been poisoned with arsenic. And the police still did not suspect her. They thought someone else had done it? I don't know what they thought. I think it was just unusual to them that a woman would could be responsible for like killing all these children and all these men. It was very yeah. you know, unlike, unlikely to them. The local newspapers latched onto the story, and the journalists in that area discovered that Marianne had moved all around northern England, and she had lost three husbands, a lover, a friend, her mother, at least 11 children, and they had all died from stomach fevers. The only reason that her death count was even exposed was because of the journalists, and it forced the police to act. In 1873, Marion Cotton was finally arrested for the murder of Charles Edward Cotton alone, the seven-year-old boy, and she never received a guilty verdict for any of the other murders she committed, which was 21 in total. Marianne also never confessed to any of those deaths, and the number of her victims is uncertain. She probably killed 21 people, but she could have killed much more than that based on where she worked and how freely she used arsenic. Yeah, she used it like it's like, I'm just going to give you some honey in your tea. (laughs) Here you go, honey. Uh, From her prison cell, Mary Ann wrote letters, lots of them, to the press, protesting that she was innocent. And she received sympathy from the public because, if you remember, she was pregnant with the quick manning baby. Mm -hmm. She gave birth in prison to the baby girl that was taken from her before her execution. (gasps) And this also gave her more sympathy from people around. She was convicted of the murder of Charles Edward Cotton, and she was hanged. But the hanging itself was botched. It, was, it did not go easily. 
The drop below the trapdoor was too short, and Marianne was left jerking on the end of the rope. The executioner had to press down on her shoulders to finish the job, and it took three and a half minutes for her to hang to death. And she, to this day, is still buried on the prison grounds. Yeah. Like, she got hers, but also, whoa. I am shook. (laughs) (laughs) Some claimed that she was Britain's first female serial killer. But other women had previously been hanged for poisoning multiple people. But Marianne was actually England's deadliest killer until Harold Shipman, who murdered like 260 people in like the late 20th century. And that is the tale of Marianne Cotton. Ah, so much. (laughs) I know. I know. It's just so intense. I started reading this book called The Lost Apothecary. And it had to do essentially with a woman who was like cooking up poisons. And so I started looking into, you know, women who did that. And I found her and I was like, ooh, yes. I love her. I posted a picture on Instagram today of her tea kettle that she made her arsenic tea in. Allegedly. I cannot imagine. I mean, you hear of like women who have like postpartum depression and like the family annihilators, but it's a whole new life. Like I have to imagine she had to have been like a sociopath or just like maybe a narcissist, maybe all of those things, you know, just unfeeling there was i imagine she had dead eyes (laughs) she does she for sure does yeah like dead eyes where it's you can tell there's nothing ted bundy had dead eyes yeah he did you're right i never thought about it i gotta see what she looks like to be able to pull all these men all the time and yeah it's not great she just must have been a real smooth talker or she played off a sympathy that's kind of what I thought, too, you know, like she she found men who were like already broken. Yeah, absolutely. It's why not just not have kids? Well, there wasn't really like a birth control option. Oh, I guess that's true. So she was just, I don't know, learn more about your body, I guess. Like, you know, when you're going to get pregnant eventually, I, th- I think. So she has she had one surviving child. Yes. And it was the one that James Robinson kept. Oh, yeah, and the baby. So she had two because she had a baby with James Robinson, George, and he kept that baby and kicked her out. And then she had the one... crazy. Yeah, and then he had the one in the hospital and they took that one from her. Can you imagine growing up and like... Finding out you were related to this lady? And being like, whoa. Yeah. It, uh... They did a movie about... It's like a, it wasn't a movie, it was a show. and But it was only in England, I think. I have never seen it, but I'm going to watch it. It's called Dark Angel, and it's about her life and all the people she killed. Did uh, that one, you see her sad dead eyes? I like this Yeah, one. but I also see, she looks like things, something uh, nightmares are made out of. Yeah, she's scary looking. Like, I wouldn't when marry you that lady. Said, when you said the nursery rhyme, I got real, pictured? like... I, well, I pictured something from like The Conjuring because that's how scary it sounded. I just and I told thought, you that I don't watch scary movies. <laughs> but you've 
seen like Annabelle, like you've seen pictures of like Annabelle, right? Oh yeah, I've seen like the picture of the doll. Yes. Yeah, like it's something like that. I Which always she's... read the synopsis of them. Like if I think they look interesting, I'll read everything about them. And then I'll be like, oh, that's what happened. Cool. Then I don't have to watch it and get scared. I cannot believe this lady. Yeah. It's she's... just like she murdered her anyone. She's just like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. It was all inconvenience. Like if it if she was inconvenienced in the slightest, she would just get rid of them. Like all of her children, if she needed to move on to another man, if she wanted to move to go be a nurse or whatever she was doing at the time. She just which got it's bored like and killed him. It doesn't sound like she had like a traumatic upbringing or well <laughs> She probably did have a hard life. Like being a coal miner's daughter in the 1800s was not luxurious by any means. But I mean, like there, but there wasn't any notes about abuse or anything like that. Yeah, to where she'd be like, "I'm gonna fucking kill my whole family." Other than maybe PTSD from her dad dying, being stuck on her doorstep in a linen bag. That is a little insane. I just hate like the property of the coal company stamp. That's the worst. Ew, that grosses me out for some reason. Can you imagine being like, oh, it's an Amazon package? <laughs> no. Your Alexa's like, you have a package. Your package has arrived and it's your dead dad. I know people are going to As- give a shit for us for the way we said this one. We are not victim yeah, shaming. I am not victim shaming. This well, is like, I can't fucking believe it's that she was just like, meh arsenic and for so long i mean that was what 20 years worth she started in i should know this off the top of my head but i don't because there's so many years yeah (laughs) it just kept coming so it started like 1852 to 18 gotta roll all the way down my pages 1852 to 1873 Literally 20 years. 20 years. Like the worst in a year almost. Honestly, there's the two that really surprise me are like her long term secret lover. Yeah. That she's one's like, like, I moved here for you. And then you know, it's like, he moved in with her. And people are different when you live with them. You know, I feel that. <laughs> you're like, I really liked you. But now that you're living in my house, I don't need you. Would you like a cup of tea? <laughs> I made you some bone broth for your stomach ailment. And her mom. That one is that one surprised me too. Yeah, especially because her mom, she didn't she wasn't around her mom and she was taking care of her daughter. I guarantee it was because she had to be inconvenienced to go take care of her. And she's like, I'm never doing this again. Yeah, that's that seems narcissistic to me. Like you yeah. you did this to me and I'm going to get you back for it. Yeah. And I'm never, I, you will never inconvenience you. I don't, you're never going to inconvenience me again. Butch. Yeah. I know wow. it's kind of, a, it was kind of a short one, but, but it's like a lot. <laughs> it, it is a lot. It was, and the, the details, because it's from so long ago, were kind of, I think there were plenty of details to have me like, what in the hell? <laughs> What was the name of the uh, the guy who kicked her out? James. James Robinson. Yeah. He yeah. Was, James. He Robinson. was like, "Why do you want? Why are you? Why are you so insistent that I get a life insurance policy? 
Why are you stealing all my money? Get the fuck out. Can you imagine once like she was arrested? Because you know like Being James Robinson, like I knew it. I knew it. And he probably was at the bar telling his friends, this bitch is trying to kill me. Well, I believe he testified at her trial. He did. And then a woman who was also seeing Joseph Natras also (gasps) testified that she watched how slowly he died. And it seemed strange. She's like, I've been with him for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) And like everything was fine. Until it wasn't. Until it wasn't fine. Well, he was already like kind of sick. And then she just like finished him off. Mm. Rough. I just can't. That body count. That's like. 21 people. Yeah. And like. 11 of them are kids. That's the part that I her am like. Kids. What the- her yeah, kids. Her kids. She pooped out 11 kids and like was like, meh, that wasn't that bad. Like, you put the work in. That's like the, I mean, you I get remarried. So go ahead. So you get like remarried and you're like, I just want what's best for my children. I want them to have a strong mother figure. And then she's like, it's me. I can't I'm believe strong- she didn't die in childbirth in yeah, that time you- with that many kids. Seems weird. That's what's. Maybe mm. some of them really did have the stomach flu. I mean. Could have happened. Times were weird. What would the irony have been had she gotten the stomach flu and died? Yeah. <laughs> That's how they should have executed her. Arsenic. But I think she went out in like a way more gnarly way. And I'm glad that she suffered and I'm glad that it sucked. Yeah. I I was going through that whole thing and then at the end I was just like, oh, botched hanging. My goodness. So what, what a time. Mean, like it was too short, like uh so her feet hit the ground? Yes, essentially. <gasps> like the drop wasn't far enough for her to actually to like break her neck and Yeah, it was like tiptoes. You know what? Good. <laughs> I would uh I would like to go see like that. I think it would be interesting to see the prison grounds where she's buried. You were just there. Maybe you should have been I a was, true crime connoisseur. I would, it was 2019. That wasn't just I don't count 2020 as a year. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. Um, that year doesn't count. No one did anything. It's so weird because in England, if you're like more than 30 minutes away from something, it's a day trip. Like you can't, uh, there are, like I wanted to go and see all these things, but my family there, they were like, oh no, you can't, it's too far. But it was like 45 minutes away. <laughs> and I was we, like, like, I come see you and it's like two hours and we're like, yeah. all right, I'm going to be here for a couple hours. I'm going to go home. Yeah, exactly. And I was just like, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Like uh, Paris was like a six hour train ride or something. And I was like, I'm going to go to Paris for a day and then just come back that night. And they were like, mm, no, it's, a, it's impossible. I was like, it's, it's not possible. Just the, impossible. Cult- <laughs> the culture surrounding distance was weird to me. Yeah, because, like, we don't think anything of it. I've literally driven somewhere in six hours. It's just been like, I go to my in-laws, and they're three hours away, and I have driven back the same day. Like, Is it England, like, as big as Texas, too, though? Something like that? You know, geography's not my strong suit. Hold on, let me do a Google. Oh, it's, like, the first thing that pops up. Uh, 11 states could fit in England. Which ones, though? That's a big question. Is it, like, 11 Delawares? 
No, it's like, um, oh no. Uh, so Texas is bigger than the UK. So is California. So is Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico, Alaska, Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, and Oregon, all bigger than the UK, mm. which is fair. I once drove top to bottom to California and it took me like 13 hours. Yeah, that's a pretty gnarly trip. Oof, it was awful. I Not as bad as driving through the top of Texas, though. We talked about that in the Andy I, Castillo case. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> they all blur together. Man, I'm just still like, and I have her face up on my computer right now, and I keep looking it. over like, ah. How did you bag that many dudes? I mean, she looks like she's had quite a few children. She has <laughs> like the exhausted mom face, but it's not because she's being a mom. It's because she's a murderer. Dead eyes for sure, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Marianne Cotton, dead and rotten. Now I get the string. I get the string. Yeah, tied up with the string. That's uh, Marianne Cotton. She's dead and she's rotten, lying in bed with her eyes wide open. Oh, probably because they had to push her down and, like, she died like this. Sing, sing, tied up with string, up in the air, selling black puddings, a penny a pair. That must have been the part to, like, throw them off because black puddings aren't they're like sausage oh like, really yeah black puddings are like some kind of pig sausage it's gross i looked it up earlier there are quite a few like oh it's a blood sausage made from pork blood the Ugh. the part of me that is weird i want like i would go see this i would also go see um the area where like Myra Henley and Ian Brady, like oh yeah, those like Leylands or whatever they're called, like, yeah, the area. Yeah, um, I would. I would like to go see that. When I was there, I my family's in Cheltenham, the Moors. Yeah, and uh, there is a couple serial killer Fred and Rose West, and my oh, co- yeah. my cousin worked for the government and had been to their house before, and he was like telling us about it. It was. After, like, it had all, he had been there before or during while it was happening. And then, because they were on government assistance and that was part of his job. And afterwards, he was like, I know that guy. It's weird. Mm. I think UK, we're coming to too for much you. scary, like, murder yeah. stuff. <laughs> we are coming to the UK to explore. Crime location. <laughs> We're gonna do a crime tour. We're gonna put up a little live from the UK soapbox and just do a live podcast with like a an air horn, not an air horn. What are those called? Uh, megaphone, bull bullhorn, megaphone, bullhorn, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. Like, here we come. <laughs> Welcome to Gruesome. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, What are they saying? <laughs> That's you the old people. My- <laughs> sorry, sorry, England. <laughs> I have, I, I, you can tell when I drank too much because I, I'll try to do an English accent and Dude, I can do zero accents. I drank about 10 vodka cranberries and did my English accent for English people. And they were like, it's good. It's good. And I was like, there's the next day I was like, there's no way that was good. And then I threw up in a sewer drain. <laughs> no, it was a trash can next to a sewer drain, but some of it went down there. Good times. I want to go to England. <laughs> it was cute. 
it was cute. Well, that's it for that's it, <laughs> that's that's it, it. for today. Hug your babies. Hug your and babies. I think this will be a cautionary tale I tell my children when they tell me you're the worst. Yeah, well, at least I didn't have eleven kids and kill you all with arsenic. Am I the worst? I'm gonna put arsenic in your ramen. My kids don't touch ramen. <laughs> what? You slimy. <laughs> my kids but request can... it every single night for dinner, and I'm like, no. We're having actual food. But I can take that same bag of ramen and put spaghetti sauce on it. And they're like, oh, dope. <laughs> I'll take this. It's gross. I, uh, can, I can cook up some mean ramen, though, because I remember like my broke. Yeah, 20s, everyone had it. 20s. I can make you. I like to put peanut butter in mine. Makes it taste kind of like pad thai. Like, not like pad thai, but just enough like pad thai. That's not. That's, you know, you had me until you said peanut butter. I don't even like peanut butter, but I like pad thai. And it has, like, peanut sauce in it. I, I prefer a drunken man noodle. What's a drunken man noodle? Dude, next time we get together, we'll find a Thai place. It's so good. Yes. Spicy. I like a spicy pad thai. It's a spice. Just a little bit. I always get, like, a... It go where I go. It's like one through five, and I get zero, and it's still like a little. He <laughs> still brings the heat because I, I couldn't. Think there's okay. I know that right now at this point we are definitely not talking about the case. Yeah, we this said is bye, be and now we're talking about pad thai. It's fine. So you know, but I there's a distinct difference in spice for me, and I am a hard no on. Anything Thai, Vietnamese, like that spice is different. Indian curry, different. It's different. I can't do curry. It is. It's too. It is. I like hot stuff and I cannot do Indian food. It makes me feel like I'm going to burn alive from the inside. But you give me some Mexican food? (laughs) I will. All the spice. That's a different kind of chili. Yeah, but I don't do the – like, I don't do sauces. Like, I can't, like, put hot sauce on stuff. But if the food itself is spicy and it's Mexican food or anything in Latin America, your girl is here for it. But that's my – I still want to go do pad thai next time. Yeah, I'm down for that. I know you can't tell by my uh, wonderful complexion, but, you know, just like Parker tells everyone, we are Mexican. So (laughs) – (laughs) Look <laughs> your blonde hair, blue-eyed son. <laughs> I'm Mexican. Mm-hmm. He's not wrong. I'm, he is. He's kinda. not wrong. We. He's like a. Um, I don't know if you know what a horchata is. It's like a uh, the you can. It's similar to like rum chata, like the alcohol drink, but it's like a milk drink that has like cinnamon spices in it. Yeah. So that is what I refer to myself and my children. We are the horchatas of my family because we go you've been to one of my reunions it's been, we're I went to your quince or is it your sister's quince I don't remember yeah one, one of them but it's like very we're the very we're we're very light <laughs> and that's why we're we're like a vanilla milk with a little bit of spice <laughs> it's my favorite description I've never I think I might have heard you but it's my new favorite thing <laughs> All right, guys, that's it for today. Bye. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Gruesome Horrific True Crime. We love you, beautiful strangers. And if you love us too, and you'd like us to keep putting out ad-free content, 
here are some of the ways that you can help support Gruesome. You can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other true crime connoisseurs find us, and you get a I-knew-them-before-they-were-famous moment. Follow Gruesome Podcast on Instagram and talk to us on our posts. Engage with us. We love to hear from you there. If you'd like to send a donation, we have a Patreon. Sign up to join our True Crime Sticker of the Month Club and to gain access to exclusive Patreon perks. If a one-time donation is more your thing, you can find our Venmo at Gruesome Podcast and our PayPal using our email, gruesomepodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of which, we love hearing from you. It seriously makes our whole life. So send us questions, comments, suggestions, or just ask our opinion on whether or not that person you met on Tinder is a serial killer or not. Tune in next week and don't forget, lock your windows, lock your doors, and on Wednesdays, we're, we're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>